Well, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards, and with me is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Hi, Zeke. Howdy, howdy. How are you? <clears throat> Not too bad for a, a rainy evening. Now, we are recording back-to-back nights, although these will come out on consecutive weeks. But this is bad. We haven't done back-to-back nights in a very long time. I'm aware in multiple facets of my life. I, I think it's been years since we've done back-to-back nights. You, you probably had hair on your head back then. Had hair on my head, probably weighed a little bit less. It was a better time in my life. <laughs> You'll get there, buddy. Don't worry. I will. I want to mention before we get started that this show is sponsored by CastCartel.com, changing the industry standard in how you receive your alcohol. So they are like the Amazon and the spirits industry. You can reach out to cascartel.com, go on the website. It's late night. You're on a late night trip. You're sitting on the couch. You're bored. You realize you're out of gin. You need some liquor. Go to cascartel.com. Get them to ship it directly to your door. They got tequila, mezcal, all that kind of good stuff. Whiskey, vodka. Check them out. They are changing the industry standard of how you are getting alcohol shipped to you. That being said... If you have the opportunity to go to a store, you should go to Barrels and Brews, where we are right now with our good friends Justin and James and Chris from Traverse City Whiskey. Welcome, all of you. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be here, guys. That was like the equivalent of tag. Like, touch the microphone. You're it. I'm running away. So, James, how are you? Doing all right. Yeah. How are you? Good. How's business? We're closed. We are closed right now. <laughs> the, it's after ten. We're, we're closed. <clears throat> the store is going very, very well, though, isn't it? I mean, the last time we were here, and I know we want to get to Chris and all the good stuff that's going on at Traverse City Whiskey, but you and Justin have been killing it, haven't you? We've been pretty busy. We moved some product. Do you want to elaborate what product you've been moving lately? Barrel picks. Whiskey. I think they've been killing themselves because literally I've stopped in at least three times just to shoot the breeze and and share some fun random pours. And yeah, they're gone today doing a pick. I'll come back. Still gone doing picks, man. Hey, we've been back for at least a month and a half, I'll tell you right now. (laughs) We're doing pretty well. You guys ever do back-to-back nights like when you're doing a barrel pick? Numerous times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's easier for them when they just show up at a distillery and do two picks at once instead yeah. of, or I guess, three picks at once instead of having to visit multiple distilleries. Wait, so they've done three at the same time? Accidentally, we ended up with three picks at the same time up at up in Traverse City. I mean, I would think that if you're doing three at the same time, you would get tired very, very quickly. And tired they were. After a 13-hour journey. Although, uh, I feel like that's the uh, the pot of gold, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the, the, the rainbow or whatever. Like, oh, man, we just busted it and drove this far. All right, I'm, I'm beyond tired, beyond stressed or pissed. Let's just get into some whiskey and have some fun. But all joking aside, <laughs> I mean, I think what Justin James have been doing when, when we came last time. Zeke wasn't with me on that one, but you guys were just about to open. It was before the June opening, which was the soft opening before the July huge opening. There have been people who have been camping out in front of your store, 
before it opens to get some of the picks. I mean, you guys have had amazing barrel picks that came out. We were just singing your praises on your Taconic Maple. Plenty of really good stuff from Willets that have come out recently to a couple Traverse City picks that, that you did before that were the, the bourbon. You've had um, numerous Russells that have come through here. You have a Blue Note out there right now, a Wilderness Rye, Wilderness Trail Rye that's really good that's out there, to the Treaty Oak Waterloo barrel-proof gins. You guys have just been killing it. You've been working your, your butt off. I don't want to make you pick your favorite kid, but what has been your favorite pick that you've had since y'all have been open? Go favorite pick or favorite experience? Because they are two different things, I think. I mean, I would think it would be three picks at the same time. That's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> Do you take offense to it? The way that you just said that. You're I like, don't know. I mean, it really is because like every, every trip's an experience. We always have a good time. We value the relationships we make during these trips and making these picks. I'm going to say right now, like teeing up to what we're talking about here today, going to Traverse City. We've been there twice now and had probably one of the best experiences ever. It's been one of the most uh, quick and long trips we've ever done, especially driving down and back. But And they gave us guns. After. Yeah, we get to shoot some stuff. Between buying barrels, uh, we, we shot a gun here or there. So why haven't we been called to come up to Traverse City and just do the podcast up there and like we could have went and shot guns. <laughs> You'll get there one day. Drink whiskey. When are we going to go, John? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like maybe if, <laughs> maybe if we don't do back-to-back nights. Yeah, he gives us an invite and you say, sorry. What about this day? Sorry. We say, ah, we had a family thing that day. You let me know when you get the hall pass to go up there, buds. As far as the response and the community around us, it's been great and you know, we're happy to be here, finally operating and doing what we're doing and engaging with everybody, letting them come in and try our stuff and being cool people like Chris that we're fortunate enough to engage with. So it's cool. You know, I think with, you know, more picks and allocated stuff coming up, like John said, some folks actually camping out and whatnot, you could almost do like a like a Hollywood stars kind of thing and put something out on the concrete in front of the store and you know, people could have like a membership kind of club. And, you know, depending on how much you, you want to give, this is your star for the next 12 months. That's your spot in line kind of thing. Yeah, as far as the clubs are concerned, I'm gonna, we'll, we're going to keep that on the back burner for right now. We like to be fair, and uh, this is our, our first up and running. We're coming up on five months in, hitting it strong right now. And, you know, we just we want to make sure that around everybody pretty local to us, we want to make everything as fair as possibly we can. So that's the way we look at it as right now. I really love your store because there's so much room for activities. Yeah, I can do a backflip if I wanted to, but I'm not that agile. <laughs> you could you could put a drum set back here. We are back in the like it's the boardroom the store. John doesn't knock over bottles when he goes rambling through the aisles. <laughs> well, the thing I like about it, it's the one store where like my daughter knows this whole store very, very, very well. And yeah. I should mention this. So, Chris, you don't know this, but my my three and a half year old has a huge crush on Mr. Justin. Mm. And like she runs right for Justin every single time she comes in barrels and brews. And then I remember one weekend I took her here on a Saturday and then the Sunday we went bowling and she stole my hat and she wore it backwards and said, I want to wear my hat like Mr. Justin wears his. <laughs> 
and <laughs> she oh, she loves Justin, but she also knows like my daughter comes right in here and knows to go for the bookcase and open oh, the bookcase and comes to the door. back. Yeah, yeah. And there are all these people that are sitting there that are looking at me like I'm a bad dad. Like, how's your daughter know the secret door at Bells and Brews? Exactly. Um, Very carefully. It's because it's a family atmosphere here, you know. It really like, is. It, it we try really, to make it that way. It really is one of those places where, and I'm sure Chris, you've seen it being here for a couple of days. Barrels and Brews is one of those places where people just come to hang out because Justin and James are just those type of people. Like they just are warm and inviting. They are here to educate you. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that that tasting bar i think is one of the best if not the best tasting bar in town and it's one of those places where you have every single one of your picks up there Mm -hmm. as well as some beer taps where you can say what kind of stuff do you like and then you walk somebody through it to to help them find the whiskey that that they like in the end right exactly it goes with anything we have available in our store we want to engage with our customers learn what they like so we can make a better recommendation when they come in the next time. It's just part of that, you know, just the relationship factor. We love that. We want you to have an experience when you come in the store and we want you to know that we're here to help you guys. So um, we take pride in it. Um, We love talking about it. Um, It's what we love to do. That's why we're so involved in picking all these barrels, spirits, everything that we do. So I just... I think that's important, and we want to make our customers feel important as well. So, well, it works. I mean, I've been here countless times. Grant, like I say, <laughs> you and James are both gone, but we run you, around like crazy. You, you'd I? see folks come in, and <laughs> they just look at the bar and be like, "What is this?" And you know, Brad tells them, "Well, this is our tasting bar." Like, yep. What are you into? You know, anything you're curious about? I can, you know, from there navigate you towards at least you know probably three things here. You can, you have a nip of. Yep. And at least probably one of those, I, you know, confident you're going to say hey, that works, and, and you head to the register with a bottle, and it's a very high success rate. I mean, I, I just like sitting here and seeing the people taste stuff and talk about it, and hearing what yeah. what they pick up from it, and you know, different nuances and notes. As far as customer service and satisfaction, I mean, it's like going to a restaurant and like, can I get about a, a bite of each of those four plates and then pick one? I mean, obviously it happened, but. You, you know you're going home with something that you're yeah. going to enjoy, which mm-hmm. at the end of the day, as much whiskey's out there now as me labels and as hard as it is to keep up with what's what and what's in it and where it came from, I mean, that's driving home quality at the end of the day. Yeah, that, like you said, at the end of the day, we want you to go home happy and uh, we want to give you some options, um, especially with anything that we hand select ourselves. Like we're going to always give you the story, the background of why we picked it and when we picked it and etc and then also we've got a we've got a little arsenal of other spirits open behind the bar as well and you know depending on what you're looking for it's a flooded market nowadays there's so many stuff there's so much stuff out there and we want y'all to go home happy i mean we don't want you to spend 50 dollars on a bottle and then go home and be like ah came back i hated this you know what i mean so <laughs> can i return this there's only half an ounce missing i promise there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me, that's happened before in the past. But it, you know, we at the end of the day, we want you to go home happy, and that's where the whole relationship factor comes in. We want to be engaged and make sure our customers feel important. 
There you go. You did very, very well when James just got up and left you to finish the Barrels and Brews part of the show. On a completely different side note that I'm going to cut out of here, I posted a picture last night of Zeke being bored. Like, you looked like you were deep in thought in the interview with Pat. Yes, I And some guy just sent us a, an eggplant emoji back oh, wow. to that picture. And he sent an eggplant emoji back to the Kill picture the game. of Zeke. We'll check your DM. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing while I was out there, by the way. What would so. you do? That was his fake account. He sent it. Well, the picture's yeah. in the DM, so look, look in there. Look, no lie. <laughs> there we go. Uh, what we got here? Oh, what's the name on that? Yeah, Jonathan. Oh, Floyd. Floyd? Yeah, that's the baby man from home. Oh, he sent a picture. I've, of I've known him longer than probably anyone in life. No, oh, he probably doesn't realize that you don't use the Instagram. <laughs> that's solid though. The one thing I will say, you know, both of you guys, and and I want to make sure that we we go to another thing that you all have been doing that is very very interesting, and we're all here for. But just want to say we love that you're killing it. And, you know, as your friends, we love seeing this be the the spot that everybody says, well, you know, if you come to Nashville, you got to go to Barrels and Brews. It's one of those things that makes us, you know, as your friends, we're proud of you. So keep it up. But as I was saying, a thing that you have done is with the man sitting right here to my right, Chris Fredrickson from Traverse City Whiskey. You guys have put out together the first weeded whiskey that Traverse City had, right? That is correct. In fact, it's um, it's something that's not even on our shelf yet. Let's talk about this before we talk a little bit about Traverse City, because you poured this for us before we started even recording. I think Zeke and I are both drinking this. Justin and James picked this. I talked to you about this on the phone. I think you hadn't even had it. So you're like, yeah, fingers crossed, everything's still... As good as it was the day we picked it, right? Yeah. This particular barrel was set aside in our rack house and had probably been tasted about two years ago. And of course, we have to check every mash bill every so often just to check progress and make sure everything is copacetic. As soon as our pick, uh, our, our barrel-proof bourbon pick had finished uh, with James and Justin, we were kind of, we were on our way out the door and so one of the two had asked what this barrel was there's anything hidden away, tucked away. And we opened it up. We tried it. It was great. Four years old. It was, by the time we bottled it, it was, uh, it was four years and one week old. And we have been sitting on it. It's been patiently aging in the, the northern Michigan climate for the last four years. <laughs> and the, uh, our production crew, uh, our master blender, was uh, was like the only one that had tried it aside from us that one day, and so we it was kind of a a fun special thing to be able to to bring down here and share. Being it was one of uh, the first recipes that we had uh, distilled in house back in 2015, and a fun thing to be able to to share with some friends that um, have been supporters and advocates for us for a while now. The nose is just Christmas, like that's the best way i think i can describe it there's so much going on there like it's spicy but not like a spice like a hot spice like a you know like a christmas spice like you're you're cooking something on the stove makes the whole house smell like christmas i don't know if you're getting that zeke but nope (laughs) i'm not surprised that you and i are opposites 
I get a solid blend of caramel and malt. But I mean, I pick up malt normally pretty good. It's I gravitate toward that, so admittedly that doesn't surprise me. But there there is a, a sweet caramel on top of it, and definitely a I can't think in my mind what a like candied product this would be. But uh, you know, it's not like the, the chocolate covered malt balls. It'd be more like a you know caramel over it instead. I don't know if that exists, but in my mind, that's the the two predominant notes that I get out of it. I'm almost getting a, a bit of toffee. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Almost that like goes a, in with Christmas like a, like for a, me. Like a Heath bar. A toffee Christmas? Well, like the candy, it's it's not just, you know, it's candy, a little Maybe bit you of say pine. Christmas, I think of a tree. Like no. A Christmas tree. I think of the food. Too. I, see, the, that's the problem. You're not fat. <laughs> I mean, I think most people, you said, what smells like Christmas? The tree. I think it's a little bit of pine. It's a little bit of gingerbread. It's a little bit of toffee. It's a little bit of chocolate. It's a little bit of... Yeah, those are the things that I think of. Just throw every. It's a cornucopia of <laughs> excellent word smells. Well, that's yeah. a Thanksgiving though. That's not Christmas. It is a poinsettia, <laughs> of a spruce of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm getting. I get. I'm about to quote one of our good friends in the industry. You get uh, marzipan. No, I get golden graham. I get like a golden graham like cereal thing to it. Yeah. Oh, well. That's a, a cinnamon. It's almost like a yeah. cinnamon, uh, like, cinnamon graham cracker. Too. But uh, that's a good. That's We're making Chris now reach for it. What, what, yeah. what are you working with, James? Yeah. I have the bourbon in a glass right now. <laughs> oh. We just poured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we just poured. I, I poured that so we can know. Yeah. But so. That, but you know what I love man. about whiskey is none of us are wrong. Exactly, man. It's, like, all, it's all subjective. At the end of the day, you like it or you don't, and you're in, you're sitting around the table and drinking some good whiskey with some friends and talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about it. While everybody's uh, nosing and, and collecting thoughts, and a uh, quick question, but weeders generally do take longer than most everything else to get to where uh, you know, quote unquote, you want it to be. Yep. You guys being up north, how much differences? Have you seen and or you know plan for now that you've been doing this for a while and see the variations? Yeah, good question. It's interesting. So with the northern climate, we we also have four very defined seasons, meaning we have significantly more uh, expansion and contraction with a change of temperature. We also have a much harsher, colder environment. When you have that cold environment, um, you don't lose water first; you lose, you lose alcohol. So even though this has been, this was barreled at 120 proof, we always lose alcohol. We don't lose water. So that's one thing to account for. Second, um, the, uh, that expansion and contraction with the change of the season just, it, it does aid in a faster maturity with the northern climate. Now, not many distilleries are up in, you know, up north, so to speak. By the way, we are the, uh, we have a, uh, in-house moniker, the whiskey of the north, right? And what does that mean? It's just the, uh, it's accounting for our climate. And and it's a play on Game of Thrones. Is it? Which came first? <laughs> Which did? Check, check the trademark. Oh, really? Oh, really? So, so King of the North came after Whiskey of the North? It did. Man. Yeah. You learn something new every day. So the cold weather actually induces faster aging? The change in temperature induces faster aging so we troy's gonna love that one john we have not (laughs) at this point we have not opened a barrel in traverse city and achieved a proof higher than around 118 the only literally the only time that's happened is with a uh 
a, our port barrel finish, which was uh, a younger bourbon finished in a port wine cask, but it was barreled younger. Going in at 125 or? Went in at 125, came out at 121. But with the exception, with that being the exception, everything else comes out of the barrel at, uh, at, at usually around 112, 115, going in at 120, 125. Gotcha. Yeah. The, it's going to uh, be a, a bit of a learning curve, though, I'm sure. A bit. We've been studying the science closely, trying to figure out whether whether we want to support the uh, the lack of temperature. Every bit of research has shown that why try to duplicate what's already going on down here in yeah. Kentucky. Just own the northern climate. Yeah, I figured you just have your uh, control barrel, so to speak, that you, you taste every so often. And all right, well, th- this mash at this age did this. Yep. Might not be what we thought it was going to do, but taste a few more and it seems to be a consistent you know trend so then you, you just document it and keep going but I, I think from a a, a science kind of nerdy side of things that's got to be fun to be innovative and well this is what most people think it's going to do but you put it up here things get a little different uh, and, and here's what you have to account for and, and factor in and in the, the day it's got to be you know impeccable knowledge that not many are going to ever have yeah for uh, for us it's really just experience and trying to uh, and trying to own the fact that we are off the beaten path, and not trying to re- recreate Kentucky, re- <laughs> re- recreate Tennessee, but do it in a in a way that is near and dear to Traverse City. Knowing that you had the trademark for this before Game of Thrones, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not I'm not staying. No, I, 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 I knew that was going to catch John. <laughs> no, but let's talk about when you guys got started. Because now we can kind of put the timetable in there that it was before Game of Thrones started. So, I mean, I, in my mind, I'm thinking Game Game of Thrones started, you know, what was it, nine, ten years ago that they were really getting into that stuff? Was it really nine, ten years ago? Are you it, just, you're, you're saying these things to me with this shit-eating grin, and I think, like, you're messing with me. Um, it was a while ago. There were like eight seasons or six, seven seasons of. I never don't, watched. Don't it. judge me. I just started. I'm only on season three. Yeah. So Leave me we alone. actually we started. So the the, the idea of Traverse City whiskey was birthed within two or three months of the first episode date of Game of Thrones. So they started before you. They they did start before so us. So King of the North started before <laughs> Whiskey of the North cuz they obviously wrote the script. Technically? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And George R. R. Martin wrote the book. Justin's now joined the live. Yeah, I have a live going on. It's like Inception. I have to say I'm I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. Not not because I don't No, I just never got into it. So what year was that then that you guys started going? We we started the business for the Traverse City Whiskey business in 2011. We incorporated in 2012 and sold our first bottle of hooch in uh, July of 2012. You look like you're 25 years old. So how did that work? Like, do I? I I'm, I mean, the hair. I know. I'm just saying. Like bit. you you look younger, much younger than me. I know we're probably about the same age, but I'm just saying. I think like, we are. You got you got that baby face going on. What made you guys decide to start Traverse City Whiskey in the first place? We got started for a couple of reasons. And one, this this portfolio of booze was never the original intention. Uh, we we came in very green and new to 
new to the industry. Uh, but back in 2011, we did find a set of my great-grandfather's distilling patents that he had patented during the Prohibition. And I love that sound, by the way. <laughs> and that was kind of the springboard for what became our first expression, which is the our straight bourbon. Fast forward a couple years, we launched the straight bourbon in July of 2012. The market kind of gravitated toward what we were making and and I guess our, our brand and our company. And it uh, it encouraged us to quit our full-time jobs and dive in headfirst. So what did you do before uh, you slang whiskey? I was, uh, I was in management consulting. My business partners were attorneys and we were looking for, kind of looking for a way out. That's funny. We should have a talk after we're done recording because I did tech consulting for a legal services company. Huh. So well, sidebar and nerd. Conversation. Yeah, we can we can nerd out over indemnity and um, all sorts of things like that. So which one are you guys trying over there? Can't tell you. We're going to pour more for us later. Just watch which one gets lower. Until this very moment, I was certain that we dated. We predated Game of Thrones. And literally until you said that. I was like, like mother. Well, because he wrote the books too. <laughs> he wrote the books, and he he was like. Uh, but did the books come out that far before the show? Oh yeah. Damn it. Books came out because he won't finish just, his just, friggin'. Just tell enough people, and they'll believe you. Then I can't fucking own it. Yeah, you know you can. Just, they're fucking liars. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. You sold your first barrel right off after you guys started, right? With it, within a year of when we started the company, we had sold our first bottle. Now, you said it wasn't supposed to be like this. What was it supposed to be? It's not that it wasn't supposed to be like this, but I don't think that we could have foreseen that we would have had maybe this many expressions available. You know, we, we started with our bourbon and our cherry whiskey, and we didn't want to be the jack of all trades, nor are we the jack of all trades, but... It, um, I don't think, you know, now we, we sell or we make nine SKUs. You know, everybody's kind of starting off and you're thinking about like the business plan and how you're getting off the ground. Did you have a pretty good set of investors when you started? Were you scrambling? Cause you went MGP, mm-hmm. you know, you could, you could have put out clear liquid. You could have let your own juice sit. You didn't know about distilling when, when you first started all of this, right? Correct. You went and got MGP. That was the route that you went, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's very good stuff that comes from MGP, but you know, when you're starting off a distillery, there's one of like four paths you can go. So you went the sourcing path. How much MGP did you get right from the beginning? Yeah, you know, because they make you buy in bundles of twenty to thirty, right? Yep. Like, so you had to scramble and go get all of that whiskey or all of that money to buy those barrels, right? Yeah. So. I love that question, and this actually isn't something that we talk about often because it, not many people understand the industry for what it is today. But back in 2011, 2012, we had this relationship that brought us to MGP. And we pooled all of our savings, um, me and my two business partners, and we bought 20 barrels of 2008 MGP bourbon. And for us, it was, it was a big, scary investment. No doubt. Because we didn't know. what. And remember, back, back in 2011, yeah. 2000, nobody valued that bourbon the way they value it today. 
And the sad thing is, though, you find these other places that did it. You know, so you talk to Blom and you talk to Bellmead and you talk to Smooth Ambler and you talk to even Pinhook. What you got it for in 2011, most of them bought it in like 2006 to 2008 and they got it for $350 a barrel. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. What was it? In 2011, 2012, I mean, I'm sure it went from 350 to 550 or something. It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But still, even not now you go and it's 5,000 yep. when it used to be, you know, 500. Well, that in 2008 bourbon, where are you going to find it? It doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, it does, but it's, it's, it's very rare. So... Investors, we didn't start that route. We were just fortunate enough to enter the market when we did. So we pooled our money and and bought these 20 barrels. It was in a lot of 20. And as we started selling it, we realized that we were uh, we were onto something. So we bought 20 more. That was scary as hell because <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was doubling down on the idea. And it was it was this. It was all or nothing. And we were just very fortunate with the timing and our team, um, my business partners and I are, we have very different skill sets, but we, uh, we kind of found our, uh, I don't know, some good synergies amongst the group. So you, and it was two other people. Yep. You all had your strengths. You doubled down. What was your strength you brought to the table? Oh, I don't know. They, this, they all kind of blend together. Um, we, I mean, between, between seeding, distribution, selling, marketing, branding, packaging. Because, I mean, I have to think as a management consultant, you, you're you pretty good from a business standpoint at knowing, you know, a lot of different things, right? Because a, a consult, and I'm not giving you crap when I say that, you know, the management consultants are going to go in and look at all aspects of the business. They're going to look at accounting stuff, you know, what are these good investments. So you're looking at it's 20 barrels and you're saying, okay, this is what my ROI is going to be. This is my time to my ROI. This is what we're actually going in at. We're putting all our savings in. I guess the other question, I'm not trying to get too dorky, but Mm -hmm. it's just trying to show people all the things that actually go into your head when you're starting a distillery. So that first 20, that was all your savings. The second 20 is that then debt or was that no the, the second profit 20, from the first well it was it was a combination it was a combination of savings and then and then generated revenue from the first 20 but what was uh what was interesting about our first <clears throat> our first 20 barrels is that you know entering the market when we did our biggest fear was failing and the way to prevent failing selling and this MGP whiskey it is you know was and is great bourbon mm-hmm. but one way to limit the risk and to prevent any like real downside was to to enter the market with a lower price bottle yeah so our first bourbon was on the shelf at 25.99 for a fifth which today it just it would never work and what age was that that you were putting the stuff out at it was four year at that time i would take four year mgp for 25.99 any day of the week yeah Absolutely. And it wasn't sustainable, but looking back at it, it was, you know, we were, of course, worried about the... Well, that's a solid way to come in. I mean, we, we, I guess laughing is not the best word, but 
you see some crafts that come out and, you know, their first offering is 50 plus. It's like, that, that, that's steep for being the, the, the new boy on the block here. And, you know, at least in, in my eyes, that, that's tough to really get people to buy into as far as you walk by and you see a label you've never heard of. Probably yeah. not many people talking about it. Your friends aren't, and it's 50 or more. And you're like, nah, I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm at 50 bucks. I'm buying something I know I'm going to enjoy when I get home with. Yep. And the scariest part about when, when we started is there were so many people entering the game that were offering $50 bottles and they were subpar. And it, it scares, you know, and at the time it scared a lot of people away from craft. Yeah. Which James and Justin are, I mean, really helping the industry having all these bottles back behind the tasting bar because you're not guessing you're taking yeah. the guesswork out of it and you can actually enjoy and appreciate what you're about to buy before you buy it not to cut you off for a second but i took recently and normally i don't tell stories about myself in the middle of the podcast but i took uh about a week off while zeke was on vacation of social media and all that other stuff um i need i just needed to take a break but i've been re-watching the office that's what that's what I so when when all you wondered why I didn't post for a week, I was rewatching The Office, but it's when Michael Scott makes Michael Scott Paper Company and he starts undercutting the competition and that's how he steals all the clients away from Dunder Mifflin. And I don't know, did you watch I mean you don't watch Game of Thrones, did you ever watch The Office? I didn't get into it. All right, well, long story short, yeah. Boss leaves starts his own paper company, starts undercutting his own paper company. He realizes that he probably only has a month left because he's priced himself so low yep. that he's not sustainable in the long run. And they actually say, well, the more you sell, the less money you're going to make and the more apt you are to close. Yep. So you probably had to come to a realization like that at some point. Like we would have been the Michael Scott paper company. Yeah. Yeah. For you should go watch that episode. I mean, <laughs> it feels, it's, a, it's it an art. It's yeah. like, it's season five of The Office. There's like four episodes in there. It's the arc. You can. I'll send them to you. So what then changed? When did you have to change? Where were you holding? I mean, there's so many questions I have, but where were you holding these barrels? Did you even have a spot, like an actual distillery at that point, tasting room, all that stuff? So I know that's 18 questions. No, so so we didn't. We actually we called around the state of Michigan to find anybody any anybody who had a DSP in the state of Michigan that would inherit the risk of bottling for us under our brand. And how many DSPs are in Michigan? A lot. I mean, really? well, between 60 and 80. Back then, probably 40. But there 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 are and were a healthy amount and the state of Michigan is fantastic to do business with because they make the distillery process rel- I mean not easy but from what I'm told easier than a lot of states. And so we have we have a healthy supply of DSPs in the state and we found one person that was willing to work with us. So we would send them I think we would draw down four barrels at a time and then bottle them and and then in a, a grand caravan <laughs> pick them up we would actually we would be drawing down barrels based on the payload of a minivan they wouldn't hold the product for us and they would bottle it and the same day they would bottle it we would pick it up and drive it to our distributor was it somebody's mom's <laughs> caravan or was it like did you buy a caravan specifically no, for that and this is my shout out to national car rental thank you for everything you did for us <laughs> in the early days <laughs> 
they get if you work at National Car Rental, you get a free drink on Chris if you go to the distillery and show your National Car Rental. Yep. Um, Come to the distillery, use code National Twenty for twenty percent off a cocktail. Yes. Did they give you the same one, or was it, you know, there was like a a lot of like three or four, and you knew which one had the busted shocks? Like, no, nah, don't give us that one again, man. Not the white one. We want the green one. <laughs> we broke the white one yeah. on this trip. We put we put two too many cases in there, and shocks just got screwed. <laughs> no, it was it was great though. The the same year that we started was the year that that Dodge or Chrysler. Um, they built uh, a platform in the back of the minivan to tuck the seats under the floor. So you just have a flatbed and you could carry, we could carry the empty glass to the shop. They would fill it for us. And then we would transport it from the DSP to the distributor. Oh, I'll just tell you, I have a truck parked outside and it's got a flatbed. It's a lot easier to deal with than a minivan. Yeah. Um, but it, that that's it, awesome. I mean, it's like, you know, it's almost like a little bit like having a band, right? Cause you're in the band you're going on these trips and, and the, the whiskey is kind of your equipment, you know? Yeah. We had same thing. Um, so you were doing four at a time. Then what changed? I mean, you, you, at some point your experience has to tell you that you're on to something. Right. Within the first year, we had we had sold enough in the state of Michigan that we were able to yeah entice us to go property hunting. We found our current distillery or stillhouse at the corner of Fourteenth and Cass in Traverse City, and it was an old. Um, it was originally back in 1929 the Traverse City Light and Power substation for that side of town. It was bought by a print shop that was retiring. And we, we showed up, knocked on the door. He said, I'm actually thinking about selling. So we made an offer. He accepted. And within a year, we were distilling. Was there a for sale sign up? or did There was you, not. So it was one of those ones, because you always hear those stories, like somebody like wins the lottery and they go drive around and they knock on someone's door, like, I'm going to buy your house. Yeah. You know, so you just went up and said, like, your building looks cool. Yeah. I want your building. Exactly. And you don't have to rent it. I mean, you guys bought the building, right? We did. Yeah. Even better. Good work. You you were a hell of a management consultant, weren't you? <laughs> it was it was a lot of work the first year. We were um, we actually built I my business partner and I built a lot of our current tasting room uh, by hand, and it was a lot of long nights with cheap beer and Chinese takeout and just hustling. Well, Pabst is near you, right? I mean, it's one state over. A lot of, a lot of PBR, Miller High Life. Miller High Life, yeah. You're the best part of Pabst, right? What? No two taste alike. <laughs> Keystone Light. That's always a good time. The 30 packs. Oh, yeah. 30 stones. When I was in college, 30 stones was nine ninety nine. Oh, shoot, man. Spring um, break. <laughs> <laughs> now, you are... are pulling something here and it's the rye it is the rye yeah this was also picked by barrels and brews this was picked by justin and james so that is a great segue that you just made without realizing you were making it you all were doing the bourbon it was mgp bourbon then you realize and you said you weren't expecting to have all these skews what made you then go decide to do rye and did you kind of 
go the same route, you're like, all right, we're just starting to distill mm-hmm. after you made your building. Mm-hmm. So you're a couple you're a couple of years in. It's probably 2013, 2014 when you're finally doing your own distilling. And then what made you decide to do a rye? Where, where did you go get that stuff? Yep. Back up one step. So we were making bourbon, um, which launched in 2012. And Traverse City, the cherry capital of the world. Mm. Our, um, our second natural release was our, our cherry whiskey, which is the same bourbon, but uh, we steep fruit from my family's cherry farm into the bourbon to make the cherry whiskey. That was our second expression. We knew that in the growing world of bourbon, every, everybody was coming out with bourbon back in 2013, 2014. Everybody had a bourbon. But we saw that um, while, the, while the world wasn't quite ready for the cherry whiskey, which is currently our best-selling whiskey, the world wasn't ready for it. We needed something that was going to be a little bit different than the bourbon. So we started, uh, when we first bought our still, we started distilling bourbon immediately and then realized that we wanted to, we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves in the same realm that the rest of the world was living in. And so we started distilling a 95.5 rye. It was actually redistilling MGP, <clears throat> MGP's mash bill. And then realized that, well, we, we also don't want, we're falling into the same trap, which is when we started distilling 100% rye. And there were two shops in the Midwest that helped um, ferment on our behalf because we just haven't haven't had and don't have the fermentation um, capacity. And um, that was how the our 100% rye was birthed. But the tr- the transition from bourbon to cherry to rye to several other expressions has been a result of not wanting to uh, not wanting to be. I don't know, too bland with just one style. Oh, wow, it's even red. Where do you think the red comes from? Would he ask the things the way that he does in a certain <laughs> way? It's almost like he's making me think it's a trick question. I think he just knows you went to Kentucky. <laughs> it comes from Cardinals? <laughs> You're trying to say this? I mean, I want to say the red comes from the cherry, right? It does. It doesn't quite bleach it, but it... It treats but the cherry. this is a natural smell. It's not like a fake cherry smell. It's really funny too uh, when James, and myself, the last trip that we made up to uh, Traverse City, when we're picking these barrels. Oh yeah, we actually showed up <laughs> during the cherry festival in Traverse City. So that was pretty fun. And How was we're it? Like, it was it was great, but we were like, man, well, like we literally drove up. We left at 10 a.m. from Tennessee, got there at 1 a.m. in the morning. We booked a hotel. It was just me, Thomas, and James, and it was like three hundred dollars. We and uh, we slept there for six hours. <laughs> slept, woke up, went to went to the distillery, picked our barrels. Hung out with the hung out with Chris, and I hope uh, you slept more before you shot guns. No, no we way. Did not. <laughs> we actually picked two barrels, had a brief intermission, went outside and shot some skeet, came back in and picked another. <laughs> I feel like the skeet shooting would have been good to uh, refresh the nose. 
It really yeah, did. Dude, it, it was it, great. I was a whole new set of smells coming in, and just really like a you know. And it was the old school ski thrower too, like the the pool. Like James and I grew up on that. I used to shooting my dad and his uh, parents' backyard, so it was it was fun. But yeah, I have just an idea. Ironically, showed up at the cherry festival, and we found out why it was so expensive because they got like freaking fifty thousand people that show up for that. Yeah, but I have a crazy idea right now. You know, peanut butter whiskey has taken off. Has it? You don't are you? You keep saying this. I don't no. know if you're messing with me. <laughs> Peanut, I, so like, just we, keep doing it. I'm totally fine. Just keep making messing with me. Like totally. screwball, screwball is taken off like crazy, and then you have peanut butter whiskey. PBW from it tastes like a Reese's. Pretty good. It's called screwball. All right, it's a top. So yeah, but those cool. things have taken off. I almost think you could mix Zeke. I'm interested in what you think about this. I ain't got there yet. You haven't got to the cherry yet? I'm, I'm migrating across the line. Well, we're talking about cherry right now. Well, did you want me to just chug what I had in my glass there? Yeah. Do you want a sip of my cherry? There's another <laughs> glass of... Now you're just getting weird. <laughs> you, you, you were literally teeing up some stuff right there, yeah. bro. <laughs> I'm not even a sip. <laughs> Man, he didn't even mean to. That just, that just came out on his own. Was, that, that wasn't a, that wasn't an Edwards volleyball lob either. That was oh shit! What did I say? Have you ever seen Tony Romo put on a TV commercial with the hole that's about forty foot around? Yeah, that's what you did. Right? <laughs> there you go, big so, cat. So you're gonna sip I my saw cherry? Your freaking face! I was just waiting. You gonna sip my cherry or not? Perfect. <laughs> Here, I'll even give you more cherry. <sighs> But I think if you mix this with a little bit of peanut butter. Peanut butter whiskey. Yeah, peanut butter whiskey. Yeah. This becomes easily a, uh, a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Like, even though it's the cherry, but it's got yeah. that kind of. There was cherry jam. Yeah. Yeah. All I can think of is cherry forever from the original Porky's, and I'm a little scared. Here. I'm not going to lie. So. Hand, hand my cherry over to Zeke. Then he also saw Porky's back in the day. Yeah, that was uh, some of the first. Did you try cocktail cherry? Oh yeah, you yeah. Cherry forever. Now you have cocktail <laughs> cherries. Oh, huh. yeah. Now you have cocktail cherries as well. We do. Yeah, yeah. got them in the cooler. Well, and I even saw a thing too—not to be completely ADD, but uh, uh, a side investment for a TC into a, a new realm. Something at New York. A uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, we just invested in a, uh, a cocktail mixer company out of New York called Cocktail Crate. New for us. Is that more investment or more of a co-branding kind of thing down the road using TC Whiskey? Um, so we we acquired the company, but it it was because it was a complementary piece to our non-alcohol line, which okay. the only thing that existed before that was our cocktail cherries, which are which are on fire right now. Um, we sell, we sell a lot of whiskey, but we sell more cocktail cherries. So it's it's a nice complement to to Michigan and Traverse City. But having coincidentally the the cocktail crate portfolio, um, the classic line in their lineup was the uh, happened to be the best three cocktails that sell at our Stillhouse cocktail bar. So we we met them. The branding, the styles are similar. The product is fantastic. It's it's all organic and all natural and it allowed it allowed us to reach out to um the non-booze arena 
which is cool. So they're the cocktail flavor of the North? <laughs> Hashtag the Hashtag. cocktail flavor of the North. The cocktail flavor of the North. Yeah. Zeke, what do you think of that cherry? For some reason as a kid, I did not like cherries. I like cherry flavor, but something about actual cherries I could never get into. I think it was like the the skin versus the middle and the, the mm. difference in textures. Yeah. Um, but I had an aversion to it. I honestly, I would not eat cherries until I was probably late twenties. Maybe. I mean, I, it, it weirded me out. And even, about the last year or two for me as well. And smell it, it used to be very medicinal for me as well. Smelling like, it, smelling it, this, it, 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 it takes me back there. And I'm like, I, I, I get a little anxious. No lie at the beginning. Cause it, I mean, I don't know why, but when I was a kid eating a cherry, just, weirded me out did did you taste it yet yeah all right so the one common reaction is that the the nose doesn't match the flavor it's all I, I mean I, I think it does to a degree it's 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 a solid cherry flavor but you know it's natural it's not artificial by any means i mean you can tell there's no sweeteners whatever you folks use to artificially you know Enhance. flavor something like yeah. that like that's just a legit natural cherry flavor I think for me, especially being a not necessarily the, the biggest cherry fan, and I think it's 35%, I think like 45% would be a better balance for me as far as light notes of the cherry, a little bit stronger notes of the whiskey. To me, I think that's where my my synergy would kind of fall between the, the two profiles. Yep. It's not off-putting. It's just literally that... Man, that weird kid memory of, of cherries, they're throwing me off. Yep. Uh, which, like I say, it's awkward. But. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's the... Yeah, Zeke and I have talked about that. That like The peanut butter whiskeys that are out there are all 70 proof. Mm. And for flavoring, I mean, especially in Tennessee where moonshine is huge, a lot of the moonshine become 30% alcohol, so they're you know, 25, 20 anywhere from 20 to 30% alcohol at the most for a moonshine, you have all these great flavors, but they don't have any kick to it. Where 70 is like close, right? You're, you're getting close to getting a kick. I would love, and I understand 70 is going to please the masses more. And I also understand that whiskey, like the true whiskey nerds are probably 1% of your total overall business. Yep. And we get it. Yeah. But if you did a special bottling at like 90, 95, I would love that. Just saying. And if there are two gentlemen in the room that want to go pick a barrel, I would go with them and shoot guns and yeah, I mean, hang out up in Traverse City. <laughs> we had a good time. To, to me, it's just like, you know, it's, it's not quite there. And I'm sure nobody can see my hands, but that's the best way I can explain you're, it. You're equualizing your hands right now. Well, yeah, I'm saying like right now it's yeah. kind of here, yeah. but a little more proof yep. to me is going to just the, the balance for where I'd want to be would be more in line. But yep. like John said, I'm sure there are tons of people that just can grab it, crush it and enjoy it. But having that weird cherry aversion as a kid, it just tips the scale a little too much for me. Yeah. And actually, so that this was the reaction in 2013 when we launched the cherry whiskey, it was right after the flavored vodka craze. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of acknowledged that the shelves were dense with every flavor under the sun. And so when we launched the cherry whiskey, a lot of the enthusiast reaction was like, ah, no, thank you. We just went through this. We don't need it again. 
but we've we found that the cherry whiskey since then probably starting in around 2015 um the cherry whiskey has kind of been a what we refer to as a gateway expression so it's helped a lot of customers that aren't ready for a barrel proof wheat rye or bourbon show up at a party with a bottle of whiskey that's true whiskey but not have to suffer through 120 proof and it's helped onboard so many people to the sport of of whiskey thank you for calling it a sport by the way <laughs> i i enjoy that <laughs> but yeah it's definitely not for everybody uh enthusiasts are my favorite audience because they're they have a, a refined palate and and no whiskey but can be critical of it in a i mean that's you know not a dick way just to your yeah no no it's fine it's, we were we were to, to your point about the higher proof earlier today we were joking around about maybe r and Ding a barrel proof cherry <laughs> that, that <laughs> I mean, conversation was about an hour and a half ago two hours ago no so, i mean it, <laughs> We, we we all tend to think alike for yeah. the most part and you know back to the point of you know constructive criticism in its simplest form you know john and i both these two guys too always try to like all right you know you know what your own palate is but i mean we talk to people they're inundated with customers every single day like you understand your own palate but it, that can't always be the preference or the mindset of the view and then you kind of have to flip back to, all right, let's look at what we've sold in the past you know, month. Well, that's what also and makes I'm sure there's stuff you got to sell that you're not necessarily buying or drinking, but you understand obviously people enjoy it, are going to buy it, and will continue buying it. So then you just kind of have a way, you know, you have to just, it's like understanding your friend's palates. Like mm -hmm. when somebody tells you they love something or, you, you know, you taste something, I'm like, oh, so-and-so is going to love this. It's yep. not my jam. But I can tell from the notes I get out of it and from where yeah. I've drank countless things with this person, like they're just going to fucking love it and be like, can I have the rest of your bottle? I know you don't like it because you brought it to me to taste it because you told me I was going to love it. <laughs> yeah, I just like it too because like um, you also, when you're, we're also picking for ourselves like at the end of the day because that makes us unique. But you also, when you get that engagement and you encourage someone to try something out of their comfort zone and they end up liking something and it just intrigues them and you know we've had that a couple of times multiple times in our store where they have just never tried anything like that and they like it and then they want another recommendation like i love this what else you got for me except so mm -hmm. it, it's fun that's always a good thing too when you dial in on someone and you figure out what yep. that is that sweet spot it. that they like and then all of a sudden you're like all right man you like and and that's what is good about the portfolio especially i mean i'm looking at this table here we have a weeder we have a rye we have a barrel proof bourbon we have a regular bourbon we have a cherry flavored whiskey it's like you guys have a good amount of variety in which things are a little bit different and that rock you know that rye has got that piney rye note at least to me like it's it's yeah. A rye rye. No, nosing the rye to me, that was Christmas. Yeah, that <laughs> rye. Um, but at the same time, I, I, nosing it was very Christmassy, for lack of better words, and to poke fun at John. But palate, very smooth, very easy. You know, the, for barrel strength, what you expect out of a rye, and, you know, to be kicked in the nethers almost sometimes. 
it wasn't there at all. I mean, it very enjoyable, pleasurable, and all the way through front to back. And, it went down easy. Um, you know, it really goes down easy. Well, what I wondered, too, was do you have um, you know, any barrel variants as far as where you guys get your, your barrels from? It's just, just simply because I've, I've had, you know, this pick, some other picks, some samples, and granted, I always say you know to me bourbon's in between the two yellow lines rise in between the two white lines of the road mm-hmm. but the amount of variance some of these that i've tasted it it might be on the shoulder of the road almost yep. so i didn't know if you had different barrels or different uh chars but definitely there's a lot of variation going on so i didn't know if you had anything that would directly attribute to that it's it's funny you bring that up because i was if had you not brought that up i was going to mention that about the fact that this is a four-year rye but it's not harsh. And that is 100% about the Cooper that we weren't forced to use, but we had to use out of necessity back in 2015. So when you contract a still, your your choice of a Cooper is very limited, as in you don't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're gonna rebarrel it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So when we started distilling back in 2015, during that era, there was a big flood in Kentucky, Missouri, and the major cooperages. And we were forced to either not produce um, or... Use the one in Minnesota? Uh, we didn't use them, but uh, we used uh, Canton okay. Cooperage. And <clears throat> their barrels are... It's like the Ferrari. It, this is our our version of the truth, but they're like the Ferrari of barrel manufacturers. The barrels that the rye, this rye we're aged in, were... Canton season for 18 months, number four char. And at the time in 2015, we were not prepared to spend over double on a barrel and not knowing that it was going to help the way that it did. But the Canton barrels, they helped fast track the aging of the rye and it created a much smoother product faster. But the investment was enormous. Does it make you rethink now in the future? Because I'm sure. Your shortage got better. You probably switched back to traditional cooperages. Well, plus two distilling now. I'm sure you can barrels. But do you think you might go back? We we will always include if if the barrels continue at this quality, they will always be part of part of our distillation. So you might have like the the special allocated you know Canton. Canton Traverse City Rye that might be released in, you know, one barrels and brews gets one barrel and distillery gets one barrel. Yeah, so, something you like keep that. it. You keep it something. Well, now that it's, it's transitioning all to your, you know, your own stuff as well. Uh, at least I would think, especially being up north and you know, like we mentioned earlier, kind of scientific experiments. Uh, I would almost want to to play around with you know some different barrel sources, some mm-hmm. different chars. Let those get a few years in it. Because, I mean, it, at least to me, it's more or less uncharted territory. You know, there's no one that can say this is going to yield the best. And at this age, this is what this is going to happen. Yep. Because no one's, you know, broken the ground up there. Yeah. So, it, it, at least to me, granted, I'm not the one writing the checks for these kind of things. <laughs> but it, if I had the means, I, I, I think the tinker in me would be like, all right, can we get a few of these and, and let's try this and let's, let's put some of these off. And uh, experimentation's got a long way in the whiskey world right now. Mm-hmm. Like sizes, I mean, journeymen, they do five, 15, you know, small, but they're six months. Yeah. You know, quick, 
but I, I feel like if you have the means, you, you would want to, to I'd rather, just, yeah, just tinker no, with it. And the, even if I have to taste it every week, like, let's see where it is. Like, what's it really doing? Like, there's somebody we know that picked up, uh, I'll probably butcher the name, a couple of Mizunura casts. Miz- it's those, a Japanese those stuff. Japanese casts. <laughs> yeah. How do, you, how do you say we, it? We all know the word. They are not cheap. They just did that. Taconic just did one of those, didn't they? Uh, I saw the picture. Yeah. yeah. Taconic yeah, just took one of those. I'm, I know I'm not saying the name right or whatever, but it's like... It's oh, I always say it's like Mizanura or something. Yeah. They're I, I beautiful the barrels, but they are not cheap at all. I'm, I'm going to look this up. Uh, it is... No, it's M-I-Z-U-N-A-R-A. Yeah, Mizanura. Yeah. Japanese Miz, <laughs> Mizunara. That's what it probably Mizunara. is. It's probably yeah. Mizunara. Okay. Yeah. Close enough. To me, as long as you can recognize the word when somebody says it, who cares? <laughs> Fair but enough. Any, anyway, sorry. No. Are, are, are you guys they, do, do any of that at this point? Or we are. <clears throat> We've hey, um, yeah. you know we had some issues in the last year with um, an unknown or a a Cooper that I won't name, but it's it's encouraged us to diversify a bit. Yeah. And make sure that we're not putting all of our eggs in one fatal basket. For sure. <laughs> I, I, I understand yeah. and appreciate that. And yeah. Like I say, I, I, I never know what the cost variance is, or I'm not the one writing the check, but at least from looking at it from the outside, I, I, I would always want you know a little bit of everything just to see where, where we're going and what and how things are developing. And you, know, you always got to keep your you know, finger on the, the pulse of what's happening and, and what other options are out there. Yep. Otherwise, you, you hear about somebody else doing it, and you're like, oh. Yep. <laughs> Traverse City is also wine country. So we've also, beyond just aging in different types of casks, we've been finishing in different types of wine casks from the, the local market. Yeah, you need an Oak Island thing. Yeah. That'd sell. Yeah. Oak <laughs> Island? I've been trying to get a new wine. Watch this show. I, it will suck you in. Amy gives me shit. Damn. She's like, this is all made up. Week trip. But if you start <laughs> watching Oak Island... What channels are history? You'll binge it. You got to be a pirate at heart, almost. It'll suck you in, though. I don't have cable anymore. Wait, wait, what show? Uh, Curse of Oak Island. Curse, yeah, Curse of Oak Island. Do you watch this? About treasure. (laughs) No, I'm familiar. It's a it's a thing up north. (laughs) Yeah. You see, you You know the chat when I give Bob a hard time about the uh, um, oh man, the Crusaders' treasure and all that. No. Yeah, like the Holy Grail. This is all that. Suppose they got. Carried over to Nova Scotia and buried on an island. Oh, well, there's no, I don't so a rabbit hole to watch. Is this a fake thing or is it somebody's a real, no, it's a like a, damn money? No, it's, I, I, no, I like, don't I'm, think so. No, I'm saying is that this isn't to it's me on the History Channel, but yeah. like this guy is mm-hmm. actually looking for it. It's not. No, a it's, fake a, it's a family, show. and Chris said they, they have a, a vineyard there in Traverse City. Because I've seen them like mention that area on the show. Because I always laugh like, oh, that's where the whiskey is. Like, well, no, I mean, they got to get together. Not to get us on a. Big tangent, but there are rune stones that hmm. are in like Canada and the northern United States, and it's a whole thing where like they talk about certain you, know, you think that certain people came over. Oh, the Templars—that's what it was. Yeah, but it's it's the Knight the Knights Templars. Yeah, yeah, but those are the folks that that actually did the Crusaders. The that's Knights what all Templars. this is they based on. The, they had the red Crusader cross on there. Oh yeah, they found, they, they they found t- those crosses and they had them ties to Masons too. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of the precursor to the Masons. But yeah. the um, the funny thing is, is that the rune stones proved that 
you know, if you think about when the Crusades went on, runestones showed that the Vikings actually, and I'm not saying this is something to take to the bank, right? But these runestones make people think that the Vikings actually founded North America before Columbus because the it goes back to all this... And my favorite History Channel programs are the ones where the, the crazy-looking guy talks about the pyramids and talks about how all the aliens <laughs> made the pyramids. Yeah. No, it's all, and, yeah. and he goes, uh, I'll just make this one explicit at this yeah. point. But he, you know, and, and you can't disprove anything he's saying. He's like, so this could have been a bunch of uh, Israelites that carried these stones all the way up this top of the pyramid, or was it aliens? <laughs> And you can't dis like you can't say no because they don't yeah. know how they actually. I mean, and then you watch how they build the pyramids and they try these things where they like take these logs and they try rolling the. You don't want to get me started on that. <laughs> I've been so many hours in into the ancient aliens, but it's all these things that happened like two thousand years ago, and they're like, was it? Did it happen this way, or was it an alien that helped? And you can't... Yeah, I'm not getting into it. It's getting deep. How the hell do we get here? There's there's life somewhere else. We're not getting into that. Oh, but is it intelligent life, or is it single-celled organisms? We're here. Why can't it be anywhere else? you, You lost me there, John. I'm just gonna say that. Right. I'm just saying, like, I think there's a bunch of life on other planets, and it could be single-celled organisms. Oh, it's I agree. Just, I agree with that. Does is there intelligent life? Hey, we're a star, right, in the sky. At the end of the day, kind of. I mean, we're around a star in the sky. Yeah. How many stars do you see? Oh, I, I, I'm I mean, just gonna leave it there. Do you think we're the only anomaly? You no, know, like, and all. that's. I'm assuming there's an intelligent life somewhere yeah. else. I, I love how Chris is like, how the hell did my episode go down no, here? Where, where the hell do we just go? I always just say, for the record, John's the only star I see. Oh, Zeke is the only <laughs> star in my eye. Well, he, you have to be because he gave you his cherry. Hey, would you like. Oh, oh, damn, you beat me to it. I was about to hand him another glass of his cherry. It's fun. <laughs> I burned it's too. Totally I burned too hot. Are Both you, ends? Yeah. <laughs> Living on a prayer. Here you go. So, you talked about, and this all started because we were talking about wine finishing yeah. the whiskey. And man, is it, Damn, it is pouring, pouring outside right now? Bro. It is pouring hard. This all started because you were talking about wine finishing your whiskey. You have about nine skews now. Does that mean that those nine could go up more? Where do you see things kind of moving? As as you go forward with Traverse City, I mean, you're your management consultant. What's your five year plan? What's your ten year? Like, where do you see this going? You guys have a hell of a tasting room. I mean, if they're not, there's a separate Instagram for your tasting room at this point, isn't there? There is. And uh, you've, been a, you, you've been a sleuth, have you? I do my homework yeah. before we <laughs> we do a show. But where can the people follow that tasting room? So we have our, our main Instagram at TC Whiskey, and then we have our our Detroit or Ferndale tasting room, the the TC Whiskey Outpost. Um, you are up to nine thousand nine hundred eighty four. We're almost there. So I I've got you twenty so far. I just 
We need, we're 16 away. Look at that social influence. Oh, yeah, no. Look at him. No. It's the beard. <laughs> so it's, I, it's Zeke. When Zeke had a mustache, we had a lot more influence so that he shaved it and we don't. I'm about to have a nasty mustache. Oh, dude. Are you going to shave the beard and get a mustache? Hey, the it's 31st is next so week. We're about to be beardless. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, where else? No. Where else are you going as we build this out? The, the portfolio is going to mellow out. We'll always have special releases like the like the wheat, which is released in Tennessee, and will probably only be released as far as our stillhouse, the tasting room. It might be one of those things that it only comes to barrels and brews. That's yep. the only wheat whiskey that you have that will get out at some point. That's the plan. Yeah, it's. I mean, we, back in 2015, we distilled ten barrels total. We're now down to nine. <laughs> so, <laughs> can't go too far. If you are listening to this and you have any interest in wheat whiskey <laughs> at all from Traverse City, I would say you gotta come down here before it sells out. Yeah. Well, and you know, I feel like we're at a you know definitely at a future tense point here. Have you changed distilling habits as far as you know how much? you know, regular bourbon you run, how much rye you run, how much wheat. I mean, obviously, wheaters get the love these days, and, and we know other folks that are investing heavily on the wheat. Yeah. Have, have you followed that, or, or, or what trends may or may not have changed for you guys? The, the trend that hasn't changed is the bourbon production. So the, in the last several years, the cherry whiskey has taken off, and because it's something that is near and dear to the hometown – it's something that we're going to own and and continue growing as best as possible. So eventually, does MGP go away? Eventually, MGP goes away. So we're in the process of building out our new facility. So we we have two shops right now. We have our still house downtown Traverse City. Actually, I have three. We have just opened a taste room in Detroit. And then we have our production facility, which is where we shot some guns and picked some barrels. Best cocktails ever at y'all's, yeah, that other at, that's the still house, yeah, that's awesome. The still house is awesome. So, just a merch idea for you, yeah, your Detroit tasting room, you should call it Rock City Whiskey Company. Wow, Detroit Rock City. Is this the first time well, it has to be on brand with TC? Yeah, I mean, we have to, uh, Rock City, TC, Rock City. So, you could do a shirt that says Traverse City Whiskey Company and then cross out the Traverse. And put Rock City Whiskey Company. Incorporate the letters somewhere across yeah. the... Yeah. Who do you have actually distilling for you at this point? Like, Have you brought in a head distiller? Of, yeah, uh, we, we have a head distiller. He and I share the responsibility at the still. So you're learning all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been behind the wheel for three and a half, four years at this point. And we've, we've shared a lot of... A lot of the responsibility for all of the products. So the two other guys are slacking then that you started Traverse City Whiskey Company with. They're they're staying busy. They're they're, staying they do busy other things, John. Like, Mighty like I do other things, and and you know, like what? Yeah, Zeke, what do you do? I can't keep those secrets away right now. <laughs> Proprietary information. <laughs> Zeke I'm, is <laughs> Zeke is like, you know, he's the guy who shows up for the comic relief. I maintain some he relationships here and there. He does a nice I do job. some things. Yeah. yeah. I, pu- I pull us in a couple of picks. He does that. 
he can't get the podcast up or edit it or I show up and a, talk. Post a story on <laughs> Instagram. I did one. <laughs> he did one, but blacked out. No clue. This we're we're getting to the point where we are meandering way too much, but uh, setting up where you're going moving forward. Yeah. So we a year and a half ago we acquired a new facility up in Traverse City, and we're come Memorial Day 2020. We're going to be bringing a new 24 inch Vendome column online, which is going to up our production capacity by a multiple of 30, which is great. Wow. And it will allow us to be self-reliant, which is... The end goal. Exciting. Yeah. When you have successful crafts that have sourced to start off, mm-hmm. you get to a point, and you know, I'll name names because it's all transparent. You know, like take Bellmead, for example. Bellmead had a very good story. They have good whiskey. It was MGP. They got going, and then all of a sudden, they're like, all right, we're in 23 to 28 states. We physically don't have the facilities at this point to make all of the product that we need to sustain Bellmead bourbon's reach. It has now become too big. So solution for them, right? They work with Bardstown Bourbon Company now, and, and that's who is going to be taking over it's not a bad problem to have. You know, you're going through this, you're like, oh man, shit, we're more popular than we thought we were going to be at this point on the business plan. What do we do? We could source more barrels. We can think of an alternative solution moving forward. And it's like, all right, for part of it, you're almost kind of slapped on the hand for being successful. And it's like, you got to buy the MGP it's a tough position, right? Like you're you're at this point where you're leaving Michigan and it's not a bad place to be at, but it's like this inflection point, like what are we doing at this of course and there's that there's that transition process. Yeah. And the transition process of what are you going to become and how are you going to become it? And <clears throat> the fact that the uh some of the core lineup, the the bourbon, the cherry, and the rye have been on this trajectory. I mean, it, it, it's kind of bred the idea of own it, run with it, and uh, and create something special in-house that's that's core Traverse City that is, um, you know, without the assistance of, of another distillery. And, like, Bardstown and... Shops like Wilderness Trail are doing fantastic things for younger brands or even bigger brands that need that excess capacity. And I think we're we're at a point where we wanna we wanna help like grow our own brand, but but at the same time possibly open up that opportunity for others in that same way. Fair enough. Well, gentlemen, <laughs> I have to say, out of all the stuff on the table, I mean that wheat is good. I still, that barrel proof that you all picked, the, the regular bourbon, probably still my favorite. Hey, man, depends on you. On the mood of the day. I know, I know. I mean, it, it could bounce around. I'm just trying to bring it all together at some point. For once, I think I actually probably agree with you. Man, rough night, I guess. But no, the, the, the bourbon, it, it really hit in a lot of good spots. I like the rye as well. It, it noses like a... 
Christmas or traditional rye to me, but palette-wise, the spice and pop wasn't there. A lot of very smooth, mellow, kind of thick flavoring to it. It never got above like mid of the you know roof of the mouth. I enjoyed it to say the least. I just have to say to jump in for a second, but that's one of the best damn weeders I've had recently. I'm telling you, right? You know, like no yeah, exaggeration. No, for, for the age and no lie, John and I talked about it coming in. Like, ooh, four. We're like, oh, four four year weeder. Like, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, no a, I'm a I'm a fan, and I've appreciated what you know you guys have done and, and tasted plenty of, of single barrels. And then it's like, oh, so we're gonna be on the spot tasting a four year weeder, like. I don't know, John. This might not be the best way to meet somebody. Well, I talked to Chris. A co- <laughs> I talked to Chris a couple weeks ago, and I was asking him about the weeder. And I called Zeke after. I mean, this is full disclosure. I called Zeke. I'm like, shit, it's a four year weeder. And I want Justin and James to know that we have full faith in if they're putting their name to something, it's going to be good. Yep. But typically for a weeder, I mean, you think about OWA. OWA is coming out at seven years. My that's the best silly. damn four we, four year weeder I've ever had. Uh, my my I'll, thought was I'll put it up there with a lot of weed listeners. Like I think it's older. And well, the like cold you said wheels. earlier, you, I'd love to put that in a blind. You might I need mean, to you know re- rethink how you age instead of drink. If you know the colder weather, you, John and I both openly knocked you know northern places for not having the heat to move it. But right. from what he said earlier. Maybe it's a different kind of movement, John, like uh, the energy system. You know, you got to see plus and minus numbers. Even though it's going further mm-hmm. this way, that's still causing a different environment, a different movement in the barrel. And maybe something we all have to kind of re-educate ourselves on. What about a higher entry proof now, being up north? Always, always a variable. Well, a if, if you put higher entry proof and it drops... Well, but you can't put it over well, 125. Not, well, no, I mean, we're just talking about when you breach, like, you put it at 125, and you know it's going to be dropping because of the climate. Your MGP has those cement walls, and it's not a traditional rickhouse, so it's not gaining proof when it's aging. It's actually losing proof. So, like, I, I almost think it's interesting for you guys in Michigan you know, what's going on when you guys are aging up there? Is I'm, it, I'm just saying it's something pressurized too. I'm just like, saying something fun right off the yeah. still. Like there was gin put into a barrel that's bottled at a super high proof. Even though it's aging yard. You don't have to call it anything. You can just see what it's like. I, that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know what you'd call it. It yeah, wouldn't for, matter, for, but it'd be right off the still. I'd enjoy it. For a table of, of non science people we got a lot of good ideas here sorry chris we're, we're just going to keep inundating you with if you thought about oh, trying shit. this hey, guess right. what? It's, it's on audio now yeah i never remember anything that we talked about it's down it's down on paper i just want to say this table has some of my favorite people you know chris and i have been talking for a while but you know justin james you know we love you we know we love everything that Barrels and Brews is doing. Make sure to follow them on Instagram at Barrels and Brews. Make sure you come down here and check out this weeded whiskey and the other Traverse City picks they have. But this wheat whiskey, I mean, th- this is the only one that is going to probably leave the Michigan. state of Michigan. It'll be the only weed barrel that we made in 2015 that will leave 
that won't be at the still house in Traverse City. Now, because it was made in 2015, does that mean it's the same cooperage as the rye? It's not. It's actually different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, a, just you know, you never yeah. know. We, we were scrounging. Anything we could get, we were... I was just thinking, like, the fact that this is a wheat whiskey that tastes like it punches above, you know, its weight. Yeah. I'm like, I almost wonder if you use the same cooperage as the rye, and then there's a, you know, a trend and analytics the aging yeah yeah interesting well we'll be throwing beer in these barrels too probably oh yeah we already have some beer and some traverse city barrels as well from our our boys over at southern grist i actually sent over uh russell's reserve barrel to them that we picked you know the the extra innings barrel that we did jared and i sent that over to southern grist and kevin and jamie and uh the folks over there Jared is just doing awesome things. Yeah, he's a he's a wizard. We just uh we del- I delivered four barrels to him last week. You guys just had a big thing too, because I, I just want to mention it. I know we're talking about Traverse City, but uh you know, Kevin from Southern Gris, his brother owns a tequila company. Last week you guys had a tequila event here for Compa Veda. Zeke and I have reviewed Compaveda on Dad's Drinking Bourbon. It's a hell of a tequila. You guys don't even have it in stock. You were going to be the only place in Tennessee that had it, and you sold out that first night, didn't you? 27 bottles. We uh, brought in three cases for the event, and, yeah, sold out that exact same night. That doesn't sound like a lot of bottles, but it's not a cheap tequila. No, I mean, we talked about it. We reviewed it on the show. It's, you know, a three-bill tequila it's a very very good tequila it's, I think, in, it's in the bottle we have it open here for you to taste you, if you come you by tried it, didn't you? I haven't tried it yet oh, oh go get it <laughs> in, I mean let's close hey, it out we can finish it yeah, yeah. Finish. You know, we've already mentioned follow Traverse City on at TC Whiskey follow Chris at Chris Key TC <laughs> you can uh, go to TraverseCityWhiskey.com they're doing amazing things. Check out all the pics that they have at Barrels and Brews. They are at Barrels and Brews on Instagram. Want to also let you know that all of our glassware, but also all of the glassware at Barrels and Brews is provided by distilleryproducts.com. Once a closely guarded secret in the industry, most of your uh, distilleries that you talk to and you go, hey, where do you get your glassware? distilleryproducts.com they were like some of the nicest people to work with vicky is the best over there carson's great over there they're one of the best places to go and get your laser etched glassware at wholesale prices whether or not you want glen karen's whether or not you want a tua glass which is the the irish whiskey tasting glass they are the only place in north america that engraves the neat glass so whether or not you are a distillery, you are a bourbon group, you are a store, you want to do some stuff, reach out to me. I will get you in touch with distilleryproducts.com. They're great people. You can follow the dads at Dad's Drinking Bourbon on Instagram, Bourbon Dads on Twitter, Dad's Drinking Bourbon on Facebook. Join our Facebook group, answer a couple questions. We will let you in. We would love to have you. Follow us on your favorite podcast app, whatever it is. We are on it. Justin James, thank you as always. You know, you're two of our favorites. Chris, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I know this won't be the last time. Love your taste in whiskey and also love your taste in watches. Um, (laughs) Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for acknowledging the Detroit made watch. Yeah, you and I are watch twins. Birds of a feather. But thanks, guys. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Good old Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, very simply, for anyone still hanging on, out of these three picks, if you like whiskey, one of these is going to strike your fancy. I would guess more than one if I had to, if I was a betting man. But regardless, come down, try it out. You'll leave one of these three in your hand, at least. Come down and barrels and brews. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs>